Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number 126, and we're recording this live Sunday morning. That's April 21st, 2013. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And with me, as always, Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association in Toronto. Toronto, the playoff-bound Toronto Maple Leafs. That's where the home of the... You haven't been able to say that for nine years. I know, I know. I, and I even wanted to put on my Maple Leaf jersey today, but I had to put on something else, too, which I'll talk about in a second. Because so. your Maple Leaf jersey is your pajamas, right? Do you sleep in your Maple Leaf pajamas? Is that? Uh... I do. I, I'm all Maple Leaf. I'm blue. I'm all Maple Leaf. All Maple Leaf all the time. Well, it was a uh, big yeah. night, obviously, last night. Uh, Battle of Ontario again. The Ottawa Senators succumb to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but, uh, you know, much to the happiness and joy. Not for lack of effort, though. 49 shots, one goal. Crazy game. I don't know what it is. It's just like they can't score, they can't hit the net, uh, they can't pass the puck, they trip over their own feet. I don't know what it is, this lore of Toronto-Ottawa. But anyway, congratulations to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. It pains me to say that, but uh, I hope to meet you in the playoffs with the Ottawa Senators. So it was a uh, big week this past week. Before we get into the news, we have a bunch of, we have our six stories, we have our resource of the week, we obviously have our guest of the week and an app of the week, and they tie together, so we're not going to start with the app fascination right off the bat. We'll do that midway through. We've got, um, got a number of announcements. Asif, certainly you were in Chicago. Let's start there. You were at Retail Ramp in Chicago last week. Tell us, how was that? What was the uh, the vibe? What were the people feeling? Obviously a pretty tumultuous week everywhere else um, in uh, in the United States at that point. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, uh, so Chicago Retail Ramp Conference, about 500 or so people from uh, from the retail industry, you know, all pretty senior, lots of big brands uh, represented, um, and some great uh, tech companies as well. I mean, the content overall was was fantastic. Uh, you know, just a, a great array of speakers, including my, my good buddy Ramon De Leon from uh, Domino's Pizza, uh, my other buddy uh, Jonathan Stevens from JetBlue, um, you know, and, and just great speakers from, you know, Express to Dunkin' Donuts to, you know, you name it, uh, were, were there. Um, lots of people from Sears and Macy's and Costco and, and everybody. It was just, just a great, great lineup of people and, and speakers. And the vibe, I would say, is, um, you know, because they do this conference twice a year, spring and fall, um, you know, I, it's interesting to kind of watch it as it evolves. And, and I think people are getting more and more comfortable with, you know, wanting to invest in these technologies, you know, doing more and more pilots and testing things. Um, you know, the, the focus, I think, on the first day uh, was still very much, you know, kind of exploratory, looking at mobile payments and, you know, that kind of technology, NFC and, and such, and where it's going. Uh, the ISIS guys were were involved in that um, and, and talking about what they're doing, as, as a number of others. Um, you know, on day two was sort of more kind of retail oriented. Um, you know, we're looking at indoor location, looking at um, you know other kinds of in-store retail engagement technologies, um, uh, as well as you know augmented reality and a number of other things. So it was uh, it kind of jived with a lot of the trends that, as we see them. You know, we talk a lot about indoor location, we talk a lot about AR, we talk a lot about these things. So it was nice to see the content lining up with where we see the interest and the trends from from the brands themselves. 
anything that stand out? Like you've obviously uh, Ramon and, and uh, John. These these are uh, leaders in the field, um, and certainly social media and mobile uh, with JetBlue and Domino's. I mean, was there anything else that stood right out? Is it is uh, you you've watched the evolution of retail? But, but uh, you know, there's such a fear with retail and mobile and location and showrooming. We're going to talk about that with a study, you know, in our resource Accenture's seamless retail study uh, at the end of this episode. But but was there anything that really stuck out that, that uh, you know, I ask you this every time you come back. Is it are, the, are retailers getting it? Are they embracing this? Are they hiding from it? Uh, you know, what was your no, they're, sense? No, they're, get, they're, they're definitely getting it now. And maybe the best example of that is another another good friend of mine, Christina Garcia from uh, Office Max was on a couple of the panels and uh, you know absolutely these guys even you know with the merger and all of that that they're going through like they are very focused on you know investments in, in tech uh, you know deploying this technology trying new concepts getting you know making this stuff work um, and so you know it's 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 good to see it happening um, and, and it's good for the vendor community too because uh, you know they're they're pushing this stuff out there and it's nice to see that you know some of these re big retail brands are stepping up. And Last that. question about this yeah. because uh, do do you worry like like um, retailers may, may you know miss something here because you know there's there's natural first steps here uh, where you where you you're, you're migrating your business into you know the digital world and and then there was e-commerce and it was a slow migration and then and then it's mobile and and it's kind of a land rush with mobile and then everybody's kind of pulling back and looking strategically at how this is going to roll out and how they should roll it out you know that seamless retail piece um, but you know then they introduce things like augmented reality and and uh, you know payments in the line and do you think that it like at this point it kind of confuses the retailer to think like you know we have to be that far out in advance but really does the customer need that like is there a gap still there no i i think i think where the gap is is not there i think the gap is uh is different so i think the retailers understand the need for this technology and uh the desire for the consumers i think in some respect to to want to use it the challenger or the you know the what slows it down is when you get to big retail like that, uh, you have to worry about all the enterprise back-end integration stuff with point of sale and all your databases and, you know, all of that big data stuff, um, you know, that most of the vendors who just come out with, oh, here's my AR thing, you know, that you guys should really try and it's cool. Yeah, it's cool and maybe the consumers can get excited about it, but, you know, but how does that tie in with, you know, you know, 50 years of enterprise systems that are sitting here in the back end, um, and that's that's the bigger challenge, especially for payments, right? Um, so, so I think that, and that certainly be you know what's clear uh, at the conference as well. And um, so yeah, they can't be anyhow, they can't they can't be interested in in a, like I'm fascinated by this. They can't just be interested in taking a screen, another tablet. And and putting it right next to their POS, they they want this seamlessly integrated. They want it yeah. with payments. They want it all brought into one system, right? So that must yeah. be a trend that you're seeing is that you know even even with Square and a separate a separate cash register type of thing in its, in in existing establishments, will that fly? Like was that the sense that you're getting? Was that kind of payments fly, or or are they looking for look whatever it is we want one solution, one screen, and we want it all to flow through that screen? Yes. Yeah. I think it's the latter. I, I think it's they see the value in this stuff. They see the value in something like Square or Level Up or any of those kinds of things. Uh, they just, it, it's tough for them to kind of take that step unless they can see how it ties into all the other systems, right? And that's what, you know, the message to the vendor community out there is, look, if, you're, if you want to get these retailers truly on board, 
you need to think about that full enterprise back-end integration stuff if you want to get these these big customers. So it's anyhow, maturing. That, that's exactly what we expected yeah. to happen. So very cool. Yeah. So when's the next ramp? Uh, retail ramp, they do this twice a year, and the other one's in California? October. Yeah. No, it's October, yeah. uh, also in Chicago. In Chicago, okay. All right. Yeah, it's always in Chicago. Yeah, of course. Why, why would you go anywhere else when it comes to retail? Yeah. All right, so that was uh, retail ramp. You've got a couple of events that are coming up this week. Uh, Seattle, let's talk about what the LBMA is yeah, up to. Yeah, so we're launching our, our newest chapter uh, in Seattle. Uh, uh, hosted this is this coming Tuesday, the 23rd. Uh, is that right? Yeah, 23rd. Um, and, and that's uh, being held at Razorfish's uh, new office there. So thanks to them for, for hosting that. And we've got a fantastic uh, group of supporters, some of our, our, our big members out there, Point Inside, Venue Labs, uh, Costco's on the panel, Blazing Onion Burger Company's on the panel. We've got people from Starbucks coming out. I mean, we got the local Seattle community uh, involved. So it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be a good event, um, expecting you know, it to lead to sort of you know, great things in the future uh, for us in Seattle. Uh, and then we move over uh, the next day on the, uh, the Wednesday, the 24th, uh, to Atlanta for uh, another LBMA Atlanta event, this time um, in partnership with AMA, the Atlanta Interactive Marketing Association. So we expect a big turnout for that one. Um, and we've got uh, another good panel for that as well. So we've got uh, Arby's, Moe's Southwest Grill, uh, Intercontinental Hotels, um, Benchmark Brands. I mean, so so it's an all-brand you know, super panel there uh, of, of some of the local guys, and uh, it, it'll be interesting. Amazing. So excited. So join us in Seattle on Tuesday, Atlanta on Wednesday. I'll be at both. We'll see you there. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Frequent flyer. Racking yeah, up the mileage. Yeah. Which leads very nicely into the next story, or the first story, I guess, that uh, that I wanted to share with you guys. Too. Yeah, so, go uh, ahead. Jump so right in. Why don't we jump into yep. that? Yeah. So our first story is, is about an API, actually, called the Walk Score Travel Time API. Not sure about the name. I like the Walk Score part. Um, and it is about travel time, but it's a bit it's a bit long uh, for a name. But anyhow, so what what is this thing? Um, so this is exactly for from a from a use case perspective, it, it serves guys like me quite well um, who travel a lot. And um, you know, it's designed it's an API. It's designed to be built into others. Uh, you know, travel websites, you know, hotel websites. You know, whatever the case might be. Um, and it comes in both in HTTP uh, version as well as a JavaScript library. So if you're a developer out there and you're kind of listening to this stuff, you, you can build this in. So what does it do? So the, the core use case around this is, look, I'm going to Seattle this week. I got a bunch of meetings over the couple of days I'm going to be there. You know, the meetings are at various offices all over the place. Um, you know, what is the optimal hotel for me that, you know, in terms of walking distance? Uh, so that I can I can I can stay at this hotel and I can make all four or five of my meetings you know and easily walk to them, and so this API effectively calculates all of that for you. It figures out you know the optimal hotel and rec recommends that hotel to you based on you know where your meetings are going to be, and then finds out you know yeah I can walk to this one in ten minutes, I can walk to this one in fifteen, I can walk to this one in three, you know whatever, um, and sort of figures that all out for you. So it, it's a really neat way to kind of figure out, you know, not just I, I want to stay at this brand or this whatever or this whatever, but, you know, in terms of the business meetings that I have in a city that I don't know, uh, well, um, th this, is, this, this could add a lot of value, I think, in terms of, you know, help, helping drive more hotel sales, 
but at the same time helping it be more efficient for for the traveler this is great for non-branded you know like tier two hotels for, the, yeah. for their marketing initiatives and, and i really like this simply because if you've ever gone like to hotwire which is where everybody you know books hotel rooms now anyways or or priceline uh, they give you just an endless list and you don't know where you're going to be but you know where you have to be and i think that's the thing that you can affect so if you know that you can plot your uh, you know your meetings around and where you and the fact that you like to walk to these meetings and you want to be central to that boy uh, I think that this would be effective. Like I'm going to San Francisco uh, on Tuesday uh, for another event and a, and a bunch of meetings. And I'm like, you know what? I, I got a little bit of free time on Tuesday afternoon. I'm going to a San Francisco Giants game. So now I'm trying to book my hotel in proximity to uh, you know, AT&T Park and all my meetings. And it's Soma, it's in Knob Hill, it's around that area. But um, I, this this is a, I, I love this location layer on top of it. A value add, I don't know. Like I, I think that this is a, a, a great thing for democratizing data. Um, you know, I don't know how WalkScore makes money, but and I hope that they don't yeah, charge well, hotels. And, and it's not just for it's not just for hotels. Yeah. They've been doing this before for you know finding apartments, yeah. finding you it's know, great. houses, real estate. So it's great. Yeah. So if you if you go to WalkScore.com, you can actually uh, take a look at this. There was a demo uh, I found it on. Um, at uh, the uh, programmableweb.com. If you go there and just do a search for WalkScore Travel Time API, you will be able to find the demo. It's on in Seattle, and it just kind of gives you an example, a, a case study on how this is going to do, and they're going to be rolling this out uh, over the next little while. So walkscore.com. Um, Currently available in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and New wicked, Zealand. Wicked, 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 wicked. Very cool. I really like that. Good story. Good way to start. Positive. There you go. All right, Rob. What's number? What's next? Well, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Um, you know, Nike and a bunch of these guys um, are are trying to figure out how to do. Uh, well, I, I would say interactive display advertising. So, bus stop shelters, the ways you know ways to be able to uh, draw attention to the bus uh, bus stop shelter. You know, instead of having those C. You know, bus stop, bus stop shelter ads work. You call us, right? So Nike's done this thing, and they've they've leveraged 3D holographic image of their new, uh, a brand new shoe in Amsterdam. This is a pretty cool way of doing it. Um, but for me, you know, it's not so much that Nike's doing it. I think that the technology behind this is very cool. Like it's kind of like, yeah. you know, if it takes you back to, um, I've just been watching Star Wars with my kids, like the entire six movies. If you yeah. take back to that very first hologram of Princess Leia. You know, an R2-D2 with Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm geeking out here. But uh, this this kind of reminds me of that early stage of this is that, um, you know, I have questions around power source, but this is a 3D holographic digital sign that uh, is pretty small, fits into, uh, you know, um, display ads in bus stops and bus shelters. And it's and it's transparent, so you can see it on both sides. It's pretty cool. What do you think? Yeah, it's pretty neat. Obviously. And so, uh, you know, the application here is Nike's got a new shoe called Free. Um, and then the key feature of the shoe is, is trying to demonstrate the flexibility of, of the shoe. So the holograph um, that they're, they're displaying here is of the shoe bending and twisting and flexing and doing you know all that kind of crazy uh, you know uh, mat, you know movements around the you know how how the shoe actually moves and how flexible it is. So so I, I think it does get the message across. I did watch the uh, the video that you're alluding to uh, as well, and uh, yeah, I think it's a neat application. Um, it's running in a couple of places uh, around uh, the city of Amsterdam in, in d different districts, um, and uh, and they they kind of put together a bunch of of the big players around you know sort of media buying and advertising to make this happen. So it involves uh, PSFK Labs, which is the the main guys who kind of built this thing, 
uh, in partnership with Mindshare, Kinetic, and JC Decau, one of the biggest uh, digital out of home uh, and out of home companies. Period. So, um, you know, it's nice to see that these guys are, are moving forward, trying new concepts, pushing the technology out there. And it does. I mean, if you see this, you know, holographic 3D shoe bending and twisting in a, in a transit sheltered ad. It is going to draw your attention. I mean, you are going to go up and look at it. You're not going to sit there and go, "Oh, you know, it's just another transit shelter ad." No, um, you know, and it, it's a, you know, it, it does draw the eye. It's totally different than the other thing that we showed, you know, a few weeks back with Qualcomm and the the best bus stop ever, <laughs> which was just a, a URL that you know you're standing there waiting there and you're like, "What is this URL?" So you type it, type it in and crazy stuff happens. But um, you know the the whole thing is is you know how do we draw attention to people in this very cluttered, crazy world where everything's vying for our attention, and this is one you know one interesting way to do it's, that. It's a gadget. It's a gimmick, right? And and the company yep. that does this, which is I think is is the cool thing here, is that it's a company called Holocube, um, and you go to holocube.eu and you can see a bunch of examples of of the stuff that they've been doing. Um, pull it up here. Is that you know this is just a, a an add-on to a to to any kind of advertising. You put this in display in your in your windows. You can put this anywhere. Um, and and it, it seems affordable. It seems effective. Um, but it, it's like it's unique enough um, that that you know it 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 stands out. Will it stand out enough? I, I don't know. I mean, is it better to have that or a digital screen? I don't know. Right. Um, like I think it's about a call to action is that if you get my attention, what's the very next thing that I should be able to do with this thing? And maybe screens are a little bit better. I can tap whatever, whatever it might be. But this is a very cool use of, uh, of 3D holograms. So if you're interested, go to holocube.eu um, and uh, you can take a look at uh, the Nike example and you can take a look at a number of the other examples that they've got going on. Very cool. All right. Yeah. What's our next story, Asif? Uh, well, our next story is, uh, comes from a company called M Dialogue, and uh, what they've been doing is working with uh, big big brands, big advertisers who do a lot of TV commercials in particular, and working on ways to take that content, to take that TV commercial content, and repurpose it for mobile. Uh, you know, so taking that video, shrinking it down uh, to something that can work well on, on a smartphone. And doing something what's called a tap-through video ad. So the idea is 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 not just video, uh, not just a video ad uh, on the mobile device, but a video ad that you know ultimately allows you to you know tap through it, you know push to a coupon or an offer, uh, and integrating all of that with Apple's Passbook technology uh, so that it's all geofence uh, aware and, and enabled. So it doesn't just pop up anytime, but it pops up when it's, you know when there's some some relevance to it. Um, and this is this is kind of interesting. So, so they've been working uh, with a number of big, uh, you know, advertising agencies and brands. Sachi and Sachi uh, has been working with this. Fox uh, has been involved with this as well on, on their mobile site, um, and a number of others. Uh, you know, I, I think this is good. I think this is a, uh, you know, it, we're spending a lot of money building TV commercials still, and, and if that content can be repurposed for mobile. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense, and especially if you you can find ways to drive that through, uh, and, and you know from an engagement perspective to to get people to tap on these things, you know, and reveal some sort of offer that's coming directly from the video, um, you know, and have that integrated with Passbook. You know, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. They've got guys like Lexus, American Express, Ritz Carlton, you know, already using this stuff. I yeah this is I mean I'm not I'm not a big fan I gotta I gotta think about this 
as I walk through this process, but I, I'm not a big fan of just repurposing existing content. You know, the 30 second commercial, the 45 second commercial does not work in a mobile environment. You really have to also be thinking about how you can compress that, the length down. I, I mean, five seconds should be enough in mobile uh, if you've done it right, maybe seven seconds, tops yep. 15 seconds. But I like the idea that, that at some point during that ad, there's a call to action, there's a click to call, there's a click to action, whatever. It, yep. And my, my belief is that, look, you know, a lot of companies have to start to leverage what is existing on these devices and passbook is one of those tools that i think is underutilized that we're going to start to see an explosion of activity as a result of this because it is a default application that comes on 300 million devices right now and when you add that location layer that's built into ios and built into passbook getting from ad to passbook should be a priority for many 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 retailers and e-tailers uh, and especially when it comes to these things is repurposing value and for, you know it's funny because the media companies getting involved in this Fox News, Wall Street Journal, they're trying to they're trying to defend, and their their um their the costs right. So it's at one point now they have to be able to show the true value, the the ad to conversion ratio, and not just a number, a metric that comes out you know once every six or nine months. They actually have to show that. Listen, yeah, you paid us to advertise in our property and the result was these customers these exact customers went to your door bought something and i think that that's what they should be looking at and i think that the more we're going to see of this kind of stuff the better but i, I do think that the idea of just repurposing existing ads and the fact that uh, on a mobile device that you think i'm going to sit through a 30 or 45 second ads uh, yeah. 45 second ad is just out of your mind it's not going to work you have to build for mobile strategically. But I think that this is the first good first step. Repurposing, eh, you won't get me to watch those ads. I'll flip through. Um, and, and smart companies are not doing that. But uh, the, the, click to, the click to action, very important. And to Passbook, exceptionally important, I think. There you yeah. go. So if you're interested in that, you can go to mdialogue. That's exactly how it sounds, uh, .com, if you're interested in a little bit more information about what they're doing. They're working with Fox, Wall Street Journal. Uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. Mobile coupons is what they're calling it. Video turning video ads to mobile coupons. All right, we are first three stories hammered. Now we're going to go through uh, a little bit of a different setup here because um, I actually was able to get uh, Raj Singh, who is the founder of Tempo, uh, uh, on as a guest for Untether.tv. We're going to use a clip of that for our, our special guest here. But it also brought out the fact that I love this app. I love Tempo. It's a calendaring app. But it's a smart calendaring app. And I know that people say that all the time, but what does that mean? Asif, have, have you had a chance to use Tempo yet? It was it just opened uh, up in the I, US. Yeah, no, I haven't. Um, I, I mean, I, I just pulled it down last night, actually, and I just I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. But, uh, you know, from everything I've heard from people who are using it, uh, it it's it's one of the you know greatest things since sliced bread um, <laughs> out there. And, um, you know, I, I'm excited. I, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you know the, the level of integration it has with everything else that I do, um, you know, it just makes sense. And, and uh, you know, I'll let you explain it because you've been using it. Yeah. Um, you know, so you better than me. But. I, you know, I, I was uh, able to get on very early before they had a wait list because, uh, you know, any with any of these data intensive uh, services, they had a wait list. And, and the wait list was something that, um, you, you know, Mailbox had to do as well in order to be able to bring enough people uh, on to the system without it crashing, right? So they metered it out. And the waitlist has now been alleviated and they, they've launched in North America. Uh, it, this was only available in the States for a little while. In fact, they did a beta test up in Canada 
uh, last year as, as a different company just to test usability. And I love that. I mean, there's, you know, uh, probably the equivalent of population in Canada is California. It's just the state of California. It's a good way to test and relatively the same uh, values, principles, I, I suppose, uh, and usage patterns. We're a very connected country in Canada. Good, good way to do beta testing. But, but this application, it just floored floor me. It's a, it, it integrates all those things that you would expect, your calendaring, all your social, all of your email. But then it starts to add contextualized layers on top of this. And I think that the big story here, and we talk about this in the episode, is, is really about uh, the, the calendar as the platform. I mean, my operating system is not iOS, it's not Android, it's not Mac OS X, it's not anything. It is my calendar. That is my operating system. It is, it mm -hmm. is how I live my life. And uh, and so what Tempo has done is they put that at the basis of it, is that calendaring is the operating system. And I really believe that once, I mean, I'm already using it. You think about it. I tell people where I'm going. I tell people what I'm doing. And I, I tell my calendar and I tell my calendar exactly who I'm doing that with. And then think about the contextual relevant information that that brings. It's rich. Yep. It is the very first predictive tool out there, right? It knows that where I'm going to be four weeks from now, it knows all the birthdays, all the anniversaries, the calendar is the operating system. It's the epicenter of your life. And if you manage a calendar like I do, these things become very, very, very important. And, and so, you know, my perspective on this is that it's not just a calendar. It is, you know, predictive knowledge of what I'm going to do. And then it's a matter of what can this, this application do to provide me with enough value, you know, ahead yeah. of time, or like, you know, simple things like uh, airline delay notifications built into the system. Simple things like I'm going to be late for my meeting or somebody's going to be late for their meeting. Traffic knowledge. All that kind of stuff is just at the basic, the basic, basic, basic level. And I think that that's what's so fascinating with it uh, about this for me. Yeah. And I think the one thing before you before you show the clip, you know, to the, that has to be considered in, in that level of deep integration in, in, in your life is, you know, the data security you know, privacy, you know, what happens, you know, you know, we, we don't want to end up in another situation like, you know, you know, Oink and all those other, you know, or Gowalla or any of that kind of stuff where, you know, we give a bunch of data and, uh, and it just, you know, gets acquired or, or something happens and, and there's no way for us to kind of pull out, you know, and, and retrieve our data. So, right. Uh Absolutely. Like uh, data, data security is, is very key. And, and these guys make sure of that. This is a uh, tempo. Yeah. Uh, emanates from SRI, who are the creators of Siri, um, and also uh, the creators of the technology behind Circa that was acquired by Yahoo recently. And, and uh, yep. so you think about the power that SRI has when it comes to this kind of uh, augmented uh, augmented knowledge that comes from these devices. Uh, there's there's a heavy emphasis on trust. There's a heavy heavy emphasis on on uh, data sharing, anonymous data sharing, um, and and I think that the the security side of it and, and protecting that data is going to be very very important. And and uh, you got to put faith, I suppose. Yeah, you do. Um, that they're, that they're doing this right. Uh, but uh, you know, I, again, you live out loud, you live out in the open. Um, you want these devices to really do the things that they're supposed to do for you. Um, either, either you can you can uh, you can embrace it or you don't. Right. So don't use it if you're. But you have. To. I mean, faith, faith is uh, it's the price of progress. Faith is the price of progress. So that is perfect. Well, so what, part of this conversation with Raj Singh, who is the founder of of Tempo, um, was around where do we go from this point with the with the with the calendar as the platform as the operating system, and this is that clip. The entire episode will be up on. Uh, 
Thursday of this week. So today is April 21st. It will be up this week. And if you're listening to this after Thursday, then it will obviously be up there. Go to untether.tv to, to check it out. But and here is uh, Raj Singh, the founder of Tempo. Is, is around this is that if you remove yourself from the, just the idea of calendar and, and you and you do you talk about intent and context um, the, the sky ends up being the limit when you when you reach a threshold of users where where the value that you can contribute as a result of the stuff that people put into the calendar all of a sudden escalates right like I can just it is an example we talked about this on the way right or earlier in this episode um, which must seem like years for you right now like didn't we start this in 2011 this conversation the, the the idea that look I have a I have a meeting right and I put it into my calendar it's a very simple idea here but I have a meeting that I put into my calendar and it's at this location and then so um, what does Tempo do it goes out and tells me to you know what's around parking okay well now I just want to pay for my parking as a result I want to I want to do it like a seamless process like I just want to book it that's the place that I normally park pay for the parking it's done with the digital pay you know parking meters and and you start to think about in that like reservation systems and then you start to think about payments and you start to think about product and marketing and all those things like this must now that you're in there you this must this stuff must swirl around in your head like oh we can't we could we could do this we could do this and so where does this go for you guys and to me it doesn't seem so, like there's an so, end <laughs> so i think calendar as a platform is the right thing um uh right way to think about it um there's something that's non-obvious. There's two kinds of calendar users uh, that we see from our data. Um, and this is something we recognized a while ago. Um, there are people who have approximately four events a week and birthdays. Um, and of those four events, uh, two or three of them are Facebook events. That's sort of one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is double booked. Uh, they're basically lots of meetings, back to back, almost back to back. Pretty much every day, they're just moving between meetings. Um, uh, the, the key here is there are all, all sorts of contextual actions that you could bring into the calendar, as you mentioned yourself, um, whether it's send gift, buy flowers, uh, buy coffee, book a table, you know, uh, book a flight, whatever it might be. Uh, the, the, the key is sort of looking at your data and figuring out what are the biggest bangs for your buck. And, and we have a lot of data to know. Uh, where we should focus in terms of what kind of contextual actions we want to bring. But the other part of it that is less obvious is there's not only uh, actions, there's more kinds of data that we can actually bring into the event. Uh, so, you know, we surface things about the people, about the places, about the conference call and so forth, but, you know, what about the company? Um, what about your meeting notes? What about other sorts of uh, semantic data that we can associate uh, to that event? Uh, this effectively becomes more and more uber preparation, productivity, uh, whatever you want to call it. And then the third thing um, that's also non-obvious is other kinds of calendar events. Uh, so we, we're pretty good at understanding lunches, dinners, breakfasts, one-on-ones, team meetings, things like that. But you know, let's say your event in your calendar said go to the gym, or let's say it said you know do four push-ups. Uh, yeah, uh, take a 15-minute swim. Uh, what's nice about Tempo is this natural language system. So it actually knows that all of those events mean the same thing. They're all about working out. You know, that's the intent. Uh, and so the question is, what do you want to see if you knew that it was about working out? And that's where it gets really interesting. Every event is a statement of intent. 
So there's more and more intents that we want to support, just like Siri is trying to support more and more domains. And so you're going to continue to see new kinds of experiences. But the key with all of this is we're constantly running 80-20s, meaning like, okay, go to the gym. Well, what percentage of our population of our user base goes to the gym? Right? And we know that because <laughs> we can actually run that stat. <laughs> but that's, that is incredible. I mean, that is a uh, – like you ultimately have the patterns and the habits. Like I would say that when you guys succeed at a, at a, at a, at a huge level, you, you, you'll have as much or more qualitative data and quantitative data than the credit card companies. Right? Like seriously, <laughs> we have we, we know where you spend your money, uh, certainly. But uh, then you, you also know, know um, all the side habits where I don't spend money, where I don't put down dollars. But you know that I go there, I do this, I'm here. I'm yeah. In, in a funny way, what we know is what you plan on doing. We don't know what you actually did. <laughs> so true. Uh, <laughs> so most people put gym in their calendar and they don't actually go to the. How gym. true is that? because <laughs> uh, 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 we don't track anything in the background. Obviously, uh, it's something we can do, uh, but we don't do it today. But one other thing I was going to point out. That's, again, very non-obvious in a semantic system. There is a semi-misperception that more data makes the system smarter. There's some truth to that. Uh, but more data also increases the noise. Right. There's this constant sort of uh, right amount of data. Uh, semantic systems don't always perform better with more data. There's sort of a right amount. And, and a lot of the work that we've done over the last year, to be honest, has been tuning. Um, and there's a lot of subtle things that you may not notice within Tempo um, that were heavily debated, uh, even the use of the word uh, searched and found. Uh, so Tempo searched and found these items. That used to be Tempo suggested. That's what it used to say, uh, but suggested at a higher connotation. Uh, and, and the problem was when you were wrong because people said, hey, it, it's not working. But when you say search, they think Google search, and it's like, oh, okay, it's just search results. I get and there's, it. There's, a, uh, uh, there's an allowable error limit or error rate in that, right? With of that course, search, exactly, yeah. and that's why. And, and but then people were like, "Well, then you're, then it seems dumb. It seems like you're just doing a keyword search." Well, we said so. The way we actually corrected that was we, we number our results again, a very non-obvious thing. But the results in Tempo are actually numbered to indicate rank uh, and score. Uh, and we have some other ideas, but there was a lot of little UI things like that were, that were debated. I'm actually doing a talk um, in a couple of weeks on designing AI interfaces, uh, and I talk about some of these things because. Uh, the pro I call this designing 95% UI because uh, the problem with AI interfaces is you, you, don't, you never know if you're right or wrong. Uh, so you're always, you're always designing for, I'm pretty sure this is correct, but I'm not 100%. And it's not as forgiving as something like a Pandora or Netflix where if the recommendation's wrong, you just zip past it. Here is like, this is critical stuff. It needs to be, if it feels too wrong all the time, you stop using it. It's a very delicate balance. That's just a small clip of Raj Singh, who's the founder of Tempo. If you're interested in this app, it is now opened up in North America. Um, you know, it's Canada, the United States. Uh, I know it's not available in Australia yet, uh, Australia, but uh, I'm sure that it will be eventually. They're rolling it out just based on the accessibility of data servers and, and uh, experience. So if you're interested in go to tempo.ai, and they were the first .ai uh, domain name to come out as well, you know, for artificial intelligence. Anyways, um, tempo.ai, or you can go to, it's only available on iOS right now, Asif, but you can go to the App Store to download it and start embracing your uh, calendar as operating system mentality. I, 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 like, you know, there are a few apps like this that come out. Twist is one. 
um, I, Tempo.ai, I love Flock. I love these apps that are just super intelligent on top of the data that I'm already feeding into my device. And uh, and I think that this is this is a, obviously a trend that we're seeing and uh, certainly uh, you guys should be a part of it, Tempo.ai. Uh, and I, I know, see if, maybe I'll follow up with you next week to see how you like using this as well. Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, thanks Raj. Thanks for being a part of Untethered.tv. Thanks for allowing us to use this clip on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. And uh, we will be watching that company with abated breath. So let's uh, continue on with our stories of the week, Asif. Yeah, so, so our next story uh, comes from two companies that we know well, uh, working together a little bit. Uh, Isle 411, uh, big uh, pioneers on uh, mapping indoor uh, retail space, um, teamed up with uh, Red Laser. Um, and uh, Red Laser, the company owned by eBay that was uh, formerly focused uh, on you know, scanning barcodes and returning content. Um, you know, and, and the reason I pulled this one out this week is, is really, you know, kind of just goes with my whole consistent theme of, you know, eBay being this giant, you know, powerhouse in this space. Um, and we're starting to see some of the fruits of that, you know, the sort of the, the acquisitions and you know, that kind of overall shopper optimization experience that I talk about coming together. Um, and, and so what you have here now is the Red Laser app, which there, apparently there's 25 million people who've downloaded that now, so the numbers are, are starting to climb nicely. Um, not just scanning barcodes anymore, but, you know, coming back with, you know, rich data about the store environments that you're in. So uh, for this initial integration, they've, they've mapped uh, 9,500 Walgreens and Home Depot stores uh, in the U.S. So, uh, you know, good numbers there. The app also, by the way, just as, a, as an aside, now uh, has local deals coming into it from the where side. It's got, uh, you know, pricing information. It's obviously going to have PayPal tied to it. Uh, you know, so that you can buy stuff as well. So I mean, it's it's all coming together in one place. Um, you know that you know that indoor positioning, the mapping piece, the ability to scan a barcode and return content around it, the ability to pay you know with PayPal, the local deals piece. You know, all that coming together uh, in something that originally was just you know there to scan barcodes. And so I like this integration of services. I like the integration of the data from the maps coming from Al four one one. This is a good a good partnership. Absolutely. This is, uh, I, I mean, we're starting to see, as you said, that 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 kind of big vision coming together for this. And uh, sometimes I think maybe it's a little bit overwhelming, but uh, you, you can see it. The example that I put up on the screen there, while while you were talking, to see if, if you're if you're not watching and you're listening, it was just basically like, you know, typing in simple terms like I'm in a Walgreens, and uh, and I just type in the the word Diet Coke, and that's what was on the screen, and and it shows me in the store where that Diet Coke is. I think that that is just. You know, a lot of people suffering through this, especially, uh, you know, moving to a new location, uh, you know, to a new house, a new city, using a new store. Uh, I mean, that that integration, that onboarding process, I think is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, up here in Canada, Loblaws just went through an entire reorganization of all of their stores. And it threw everybody for a loop. They had these, you know, wall charts on saying this that used to be here is now over here. And I, I, you start to think that the seamless integration that we're seeing here is, is it will be the beginning. Instead of, uh, you know, we've seen some perfect examples of, um, of uh, carts with screens on them and where you can yeah. sync the, synchronize them with your, or you can put your your iPhone into a into a little uh, docking station that allows you to, or your, your tablet into a docking station that allows you to see where you are in the store and what's around and be pushed all this stuff. And I think that we're starting to see this ex experimental, obviously, um, but boy, oh boy, this is uh, this is really that vision coming through. It's very, very, very cool. Um, and it's good to hear from Red Laser, right? Again, uh, it yeah. is. 
We don't hear enough from those guys. We don't. And, and uh, you know, they were pioneers uh, for the early days and, and uh, you know, kind of disappeared behind the shroud for a little while. And, and now we're emerging as, as a company that is just far greater than, than what went into it. So very, very, very cool. Yeah. So aisle 411, if you're interested, just go to aisle411.com and you will uh, be able to see what they're up to. And, of course, Red Laser. All right, uh, you know, I am um, payments. Last week we covered, uh, or maybe two weeks ago, we covered another form of payment that Microsoft was trying to do with Connect uh, and facial recognition and, uh, and automatic payment. There, there just seems to be these really, I, I, I don't know, you know, everybody's scrambling to try to figure out the best way to pay. So yep. I, I, I got to ask you, would you pay a thief uh, in a busy subway um, by sound? Like, uh, is, um. uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure this is the most practical application, but uh, why, why don't we let me describe yeah. it and uh, and then we'll get into it. So, this comes to us from China, from Beijing, um, and the company that's driving this is a company called Alipay, A L I P A Y, uh, and what they've been testing here is vending machines, soda, you know, pop vending machines. Um, in the subway stations, as you uh, just just uh, alluded to, um, where you basically walk up to it and pay with your phone, but it's not near-field communications. It's not scanning a QR code. It's using ultrasound. So basically, you know, it's emitting a uh, you know a, a frequency. Your phone recognizes that frequency. Uh, it sends a uh, a one-time code um, to the sensor via sound, and the machine dispenses the drink. And apparently, the whole transaction happens in under a minute. Um, and, and you paid for it with your phone. Um, so on, on the one hand, um, it's nice to see that the ultrasound technology is starting to find other use cases. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the Shopkick guys pioneered this stuff uh, in store for indoor location. Uh, you know, with you know their whole Kickbucks and Shopkick uh, program, and, and with Target and Macy's and all those guys. Um, that's an interesting application because I think you have a fair bit of dwell time, you know, as you're walking around a store and, and you know, figuring out the position. We we know indoor locations uh, is big and important. We talk about it a lot, but as a payments platform, you know, I, I think this is harder. Um, now, you know, I, I'm not so concerned about you know noise in a subway station or anything like that because we're talking about you know very very close proximity to the machine. Uh, so, so I'm not worried about that. I just worry about, you know, that, that that kind of just diversity in in payment solutions right now. There's just so many different ways to do this, uh, you know, from NFC to QR to you know carrier programs like ISIS in the U.S. to you know you name it. There's just so many of these things going on, uh, and I think it's it's very difficult for the retail community, the brands, to to kind of decide what what to invest in, what to test. I mean, Coke, for example, we're talking about vending machines here. You know, Coke's been testing NFC, and they've had some good results with it. Um, and obviously, NFC currently is limited because iPhone doesn't support it. Ultrasound, again, every phone supports that. So, you know, maybe that's the approach that these guys are going for. Um, uh, you know, I applaud the innovation. I applaud yep. the willingness to to try new things. I applaud the whatever uh, you know the the brand is that uh, who owns these vending machines that wants to try this stuff and work with Alipay to make it happen. You know, and a subway station is a perfect place for vending machines, right? I mean, you're waiting for your thing, you need a drink, you you know, you're thirsty, whatever. I like all of that. So 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 that's good. 
um, I just uh, you know I just worry about you know the ability to scale something like this you know in, in contrast to you know all the other you know payment solutions that are emerging not to mention just straight up card hard you know cold hard cash which is which is something that all also yeah. vending machines you know this this is interesting this is china though yeah. so so you know mobile payments is 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 well you know much further along uh, in the Asian markets than it is, you know, where we are. So, and this is, you know, I, I just the, the conversation that leads to this, where it's like, okay, so you know, we've got uh, we've got cash, we've got NFC, we've got, uh, I mean, we've got Bluetooth, we've got, um, you know, a whole bunch of other tap and go stuff. We've got we've got uh, debit cards and credit cards and all this kind of. What is what is the most off the wall thing that we can think of right now? The transmission. <laughs> How do whales communicate? How do dolphins communicate? Let's right. pay with that. Like, you know, I, yeah, I think that, you know, for me, it's like um, that's in, it's incredible innovation. And, and the fact that you can you can create unique noise, unique sounds uh, for every transaction, which is what they do. That's how they're securing it. Every transaction has a unique sound. I'm not worried about this whole, you know, uh, I'm not concerned about security at this point because it's such a small, isolated piece. Um, the only thing we're, we're not we're not talking about, you know, paying your rent. No. here. We're talking about, you know, buying a. A can of, of soda. Something, right? Something small, so, like less than a buck or less right. than $2 or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the risk of fraud is low simply because, uh, well, the, it, it's such a small transaction. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, the one thing that struck me, really, well, two things. One of them is that a minute in a busy subway, I think, would be an eternity to wait. Even if it's, even it's less than a minute, even if it's like 40 seconds or 30 seconds, I think that that's too long to wait for a transaction to come through, especially in this, in this kind of always on, always going medium. And if you've ever been in a subway anywhere in Asia or on a train anywhere in Asia, you know that you don't have a minute to sit there and wait. I think that there's an opportunity for lost sales as a result uh, from that. It has to be much faster. And the second thing is like, you know, even if we think about the the sound that emanates from a busy, busy, busy subway station, I, I think that, uh, you know, the technology that uh, that this could lead to, I think, is pretty significant when it comes to, uh, you know, using using sound as a means of identification or as a, as a means of payment. Like I think of Nuance. We just came out with this ridiculous thing called voice ads, where you're talking to, uh, to talking to an ad and you're interacting with an ad on your phone over voice, which I think is ludicrous. Uh, which is an idea that I think should just disappear. The last thing I want to do is talk to an ad in a busy place. But what they've invented, and I saw this at uh, the VentureBeat uh, Mobile Summit, was the nuanced voice ads. When you're talking to them, it actually they created a technology that actually isolates your voice in a very crowded, loud room. And I think that that is the technology that Nuance is going to be able to leverage, not the dumb voice ads. And I think the same thing here when you talk about uh, subway systems using uh, using sound for payments. I think that there's an there's something else that it will be used for as a result of this uh, of this test. They're going to find out better ways to use it because less than 60 seconds is too long to wait for a transaction, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and who knows how long it actually takes, right? Um, you know, they're saying less than a minute. Uh, it's, you know, it probably it takes thirty seconds anyways to drop the coins in the thing and, and get the thing out. So yeah, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't create a material benefit, it, it's got to be better. Yeah. Um, well, I think the benefit is, the benefit is is actually to the vending machine owner, right? Uh, on, on this side, yeah. you know, not, it's not it's not to the consumer. I mean, they're talking here about you know the machines themselves cost about fifteen percent more than a regular vending machine with this technology built in. But the, the savings to the operator is is, is on you know counter, eliminating counterfeiting, you know cash management fees, somebody going out there to collect all that coin, you know all that kind of stuff. It you know is is huge savings here, right? So 
So I think you, that's where the you know the sort of you have to weigh you know the value proposition around this. It's not the consumer no. necessarily um, that's that's getting the you know the big benefit. And you know you'd be surprised. We you know consumers you may think like well they're not thinking of us. Why you know it's them first. But you know you know consumers have a, have adapted well to uh, to retailers deciding on what's best for us. Uh, you know yeah. and it, it's just happened. Um, you wake up one day and and you're using this technology and you're thinking that okay less than a minute is fine for a transaction. Uh, you know, we become spoiled and, and um, but yeah, for all the benefits, this is innovative and it's innovation that we want to highlight here. And uh, I think that there's a few little things that will come out of this, um, but but certainly, you know, it's innovation and it's confusion by the number of ways to pay now. Uh, you know, back in the day, it used to be a gold bullion or it used to be a chicken and then it became a gold bullion and then it became all this different currency. And then now it's becoming all these different ways to pay digitally. And they all come from the same spot, which is your empty bank account. And, and people want more out of that, right? <laughs> so Beijing, yep. working on that, uh, you know, interesting, 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 interesting piece of technology. So why don't we, we our last story here? See, we've done, we've killed that one. Let's let's go into our last story here, which is around Kmart. Kmart, Kmart, Kmart. Kmart. Yes, good old Kmart. Um, part of Sears uh, Holdings, uh, you know, Sears and Kmart. You know, here they are. They're still they're still pushing. They're trying. I mean. The one thing I can say about Sears Holdings, and I saw a lot of guys from Sears at, at the Ramp Conference this week, is these guys are willing to do and try anything. Uh, you know, they they they're fighting this 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 brand apathy, uh, you know, um, nightmare that they're just trying to get out of, and and they're investing and testing and piloting absolutely everything. This particular story is focused on the Kmart piece, as as you uh, just alluded to. Um, and, and in particular uh, on, on their loyalty program, which is called Shop Your Way, uh, and it's a check-in program uh, for, you know, tied to that loyalty. And, and what they've done is, is they've teamed up um, here with, um, you know, to develop a program uh, around New York's Grand Central Station uh, for what they're calling the world's biggest bake sale, I think is what it's called. Is that right, Rob? Yes. Yes. Sandra Lee's world's largest bake sale. At Grand Central, it's going to happen on May the first, so it's not not happening yet. Um, and and basically, what happens is is this is this is a charitable, cause based you know tie up. So it's a check in initiated thing. You show up at, at Grand Central Station, you check into the world's largest bake sale, uh, you receive a free copy of um, Sandra Lee's new cookbook. Okay, which is she's a big TV personality, uh, chef, cooker. Whatever you want to call her, um, and uh, <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. makes cookies. She makes cookies. Yeah. Um, so the the first hundred that check in get the get the book. Um, and you know, personally, I think that this thing could be expanded. You know, I mean, why why is it only a hundred people? You know, why are they limiting it to that? I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like a lot of work. You know, for a hundred people. Um, but but I think the message here, and this is one of the trends that we we talk about a lot at our events uh, that we're following right now, is the linkages between check-in based services, which are have been waning significantly, um, you know. But where they work really well is when you pair them up with cause-based actions, you know, so, social giving um, related uh, types of events. So so I, I get that part of this. I understand the value around this. This is you know this is a charitable uh, effort. Uh, that's happening here. Uh, there is a reward, a tangible reward for the first hundred people that do this. Um, 
you know, and, and we've seen a number of these things before. We've talked on this show about, you know, Kraft and Five Guys uh, working with uh, the Place Punch guys teaming up. And, you know, for every check-in uh, at a Five Guys restaurant, you get a, a coupon for a dollar off Kraft Singles Cheese, but you also, uh, a dollar gets donated by, by those guys to Feeding America. We've seen, uh, you know, uh, even check-in platforms, you know, completely based around and powering uh, nonprofits and charitable societies. So there's a platform called Check-In for Good, uh, which is like Foursquare, but it's just a white labelable platform that any charity or any uh, nonprofit or, or social giving uh, organization can can embrace and use. So this is definitely a trend. I like to, I like that Sears and Kmart are you know doing this kind of stuff. Um, you know I, I just the execution seems a little bit small scale for me. You know, why isn't it everybody gets something for doing this? Why is it only a hundred people? Yeah, because you know what, it could be just as simple as a badge, right? That you get something that's unique, or or you get a coupon, yeah. or something that 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 yeah, reinforces. You get a coupon this. for for something, yeah. right? You know, um, you know, everybody should get something. Yeah. I think for doing this, you know, it's, it's in, you know, yes, yeah, so maybe the first hundred people get the book, but what is what is the the hundred and first person get? Nothing. Think, you know, Squat. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so there should be something there, you know, or because it's tied to the loyalty program, you know, maybe you get some loyalty points, yeah. maybe you get, you know, whatever it is, like you should get something. Well, isn't the goal of this uh, is like, you know, so this is, they're, do, they're doing this in Central Station, right? Yeah. And so it shouldn't be this, I mean, for Kmart's standpoint, this should be a way to get somebody from, from that event to eventually go into one of their stores. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's got to be more to this yeah. than just you know show up at this event and you know check in here. There's got to be a linkage to drive traffic to stores. Everybody should get some form of reward around this kind of thing. Um, yeah, I anyway. So uh, it's a good start, right? And I think that that it, these kind of cause-based check-in initiatives, uh, maybe maybe this is the niche that check-ins eventually end up being in a retail application, uh, you know, for for something that is very specific in time and place. And then from there, you hope that these guys like Kmart and the retailers can draw people back into their stores. Kmart is fighting this this battle that is it's tough because when when you when you're known as the as the brand of cheap right it's it is a brand it's a big brand but when you're you're known as the brand of cheap you have to you have to figure out different ways to compete because the internet has made cheap ubiquitous right and mobile has made it even more so so now how does that brand compete and it is about doing these little things supporting these things like this you know the world's largest bake sale and but then you have to figure out a way to bring somebody from there and draw them into your store so that 100 first check-in at that location should be should receive something that brings them back into the store other than a free book so uh, but good, good start i think I, like i hate check-ins but i like the cause-based idea yeah so all right those are the six walk score nike m dialogue aisle 411 uh the beijing subway paying by sound and kmart pushing their check-in software for the world's largest uh bake sale at uh at in new york city so this is pretty cool if you're there march uh, may 1st please let us know did you check in did you get a free book please i'd love to hear from you you know a seafood as well uh one last piece of uh business here which is this this kind of ties everything that we've talked about together asif not only just on this episode but i think all 125 other episodes aside from this is that the this is study done by accenture on the seamless retail experience and the desire for customers now caveat here 
you know, they did a worldwide uh, uh, survey. I think there were 6,000 people that, that responded to this. Uh, but this is based on, the U.S. stats are based on 750 people, which I do not think gives a good enough chunk of, uh, of, you know, of the population. It's not even a good enough slice of the population to be able to, uh, to really determine this. But, but the 6,000 person survey worldwide still doesn't give us an, a big enough glimpse, but, but there are some emerging trends that I think are very fascinating. Uh, what stuck out for, for you on this? Well, a couple of the numbers in here. So, so they, I mean, they looked at showrooming and all that kind of stuff in store. So they said they found that, uh, 73% of the respondents indicated they participated in the practice of showrooming. 88% uh, said they participated in webrooming. Webrooming. When, when you browse first on the internet and then buy in store. Oh my store. god. We need a better so name for that. Yeah, I don't know how they came up Web with that rooming. term, but I mean, don't we all do that? Don't we all kind of look online and kind of price compare and then go to the the, the store, yeah. right? So, so that and the, and the web, for me, web real estate is not really, expensive, right? So it's, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I wasn't really uh, shocked by that number. I mean, that seems to make sense to me. Uh, well, but who's some not other doing important... that? Like that would be the question. Yeah, and if exactly. you're not, you're an idiot, right? Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some other good data in here, though. So one one piece that really stuck out at me, and we're seeing this, uh, you know, from a number of different uh, parts around retail. But one of the numbers said after purchasing, 81% of people said it was important for a retailer to enable them to pick up or arrange for delivery of their purchase, regardless of how they paid for the item. Now that that's really interesting because we're seeing, you know, all of this kind of. You know, where we're seeing a lot of innovation right now is around, you know, real-time inventory data, you know, this kind of stuff that Milo and Nearby now and all those guys were doing, you know, so tied to mobile. So, so if, if I'm searching, you know, for an offer, I find an offer on a product, you know, let's say at the Gap or something, and I've been waiting for that item, um, and, and now i got this coupon that says save 50% off, but the product's not available in store or I can't get it or whatever, then, you know, that that creates some friction for me as a, as a shopper. So that ability to understand, is it available? Can I pick it up? Can you put it on hold for me? You know, or, or can you just have the thing delivered to me? You know, that, I, I like that, you know, that the, the numbers here are pointing to, you know, the, the technologies aligning with, with that. So that, that's a nice one. The other thing that jumped out at me, 49% um, of the people surveyed said that they were influenced by in-store offers via promotional displays and salespeople. So, you know, they're talking to the value now of, you know, you see an ad on a digital screen in the store, or, you know, somebody says something to you, you know, or tries to influence you with a conversation by a sales associate, or, you know, just some signage, period. In store, you know, marketing uh, works. 56% uh, are influenced by email coupons and offers, uh, and an equal number said that they're influenced by coupons mailed to their home. So I'm a little bit surprised by that piece um, that, you know, that there's still 56% of people that are, you know, influenced by coupons being mailed to their home. But, um, hey. Whatever gets you in the store. You know, at the end of the day, the good thing about these kinds of studies from Accenture and others is, you know, there's, there's data here that some retailer out there, some brand out there is going to go and say, that's the number we've been waiting for to justify this investment in technology, and now it's going to happen. So. And, and I think that, uh, you know, as I said, this is such a small sampling, right? It's so small, 6,000 people worldwide, 7,500 people in the United States uh, that, you, you know, you're going to see these anomalies like people are still what person is influenced still by getting coupons in the mail, right? But uh, maybe, you know, I'm sure that there are, uh, 
you know, a good percentage of them. But, you know, there was one statistic that's fascinating with me. It always has to do with the mobile aspect of this and, and mobile and retail and location coming together and all of these things like so there's things like loyalty and real-time information about inventory like you talked about and actually real-time information about promotions while I'm standing in the store in line or you know uh, somewhere near a store but way down the list kind of like 65% of the people wanted to, here I'll read it to you they wanted to order whatever they wanted Right. So that this kind of, uh, you know, we, we talk about this, the blending of the brands. Right. So Amazon has done this so effectively. They've taken every brand into their store and then created an Uber brand around somebody else's brand. Right. So you can get, you know, multiple different products. But they said that one of the key things that mobile location and, and uh, commerce play and payment play is that I, I don't care who you are. Right. If, if I'm mm -hmm. shopping at Sears or if I'm shopping at X number store, I want to be able to buy anything from any retailer from you and have it delivered to my door and i think that that's a fascinating play here is that this kind of you know the brand of brands like an amazon this is where they play so effectively is that if i can get yeah. toilet paper bathroom tissue cds electronics books and clothes all from one place that's what people are looking for and i want it delivered overnight or same day uh, so I, I think that that's a trend that we start to see. And, and and you see the companies that are perfectly poised to do that. Walmart could be one of them. I think Kmart could be one of them. Target, Amazon. And then you start to look at the, the individual siloed brands, which are the cream of the cream of the cream of the crop of the brands that stay independent and that won't be sold through those channels. But this is uh, th this would scare me if, uh, if I was an independent retailer in that middle tier brand that wasn't involved in all of these kind of things. Right. So. And that's that that stuck out for me in this in this piece. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll have that available under on the research tab at the LBMA's website. Uh, so just go to thelbma.com forward slash research. Yeah. Uh, that'll be up there for you to uh, peruse at your leisure. Very cool. All right, that is episode number one hundred and twenty-six. Uh, any parting words, Asif, before we we let everybody get on with their day? Uh, just a shout out to a uh, couple, couple folks, uh, a couple of our members uh, that uh, it was nice to spend some time with uh, this week. Uh, we're in the t-shirt here, so I got the Brick Trends Best Fit Mobile CompuCon. Gotta stand up a bit more to see so, that. We'll get that right in there. Team, there we go, there we go. I'm wearing that today. So thanks, guys, for uh, all your support at Ramp this week. Um, these guys are doing, especially Brick Trends, is doing some pretty cool stuff around indoor location. Uh, using uh, low energy Bluetooth, um, so that's pretty cool stuff that they're going on. It's a there. wicked name, and by the way. Brick Trends. I love that name. Brick Trends. I love it. I love that analytics. Uh, you know, kind of, yeah. uh, you know, kind of feel that that name brings. Um, and then Christina Garcia, I mentioned at Office Max, uh, and Jeff Scott, who's also there. Um, guys, um, from me to you. Good luck with the, they're getting married, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, congratulations with that, man. Uh, really excited for you guys, and um, yeah, they've been big, big fans, big supporters for a long time of what we're doing, and uh, just wishing them all the best. Very cool. All right, we'll be back uh, next week for episode number 127 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. If you happen to be in the San Francisco area or the Seattle area or Atlanta, uh, reach out. I'm at rob at untether.tv. Asif is at asif at the lbma.com. And uh, if you happen to be in any of those locations, show up at one of the LBMA events or reach out to me and let's connect. I got some time on Thursday. Let's get together and actually uh, have a conversation in real life if you are around. Uh, but if not, we'll be back here 
for episode number 127 next week. And we uh, thank you for watching. Remember, if you enjoy the show, whatever way you consume it, we'd love it if you joined, maybe jumped on iTunes or any of your podcast uh, uh, subscription um, software. Just subscribe there. It's the best way to do it. And if you like it, just give us a good rating on, uh, on any of those stores. We'd appreciate it. It's our currency and we'd appreciate it. That's the way we get paid. So please do that. And we'll be back for episode number 127 next week. Asif, safe travels, man, as you crisscross the nation. Thanks, dude. Yeah. See you later, everybody. Have a good week.